Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. Nick McVicker here on Garage Door Sports with Irfan Manji. Irfan, how you doing today, buddy? Good. Saturday morning as usual. Showtime. Yep. Thumbs up from me. We're here. <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. A little tired. Played hockey last night. Oh, it was so great. Is that the first time in a while? Two months. Hey. It was desperately needed. I played defense, which was a, like a little weird because it's not normally my position, but I'm like, I don't even care. I just need to get out onto the ice and do something. Like it was, it was a necessity. <laughs> leave it at that. Um, we got a lot to talk about today, dude. I mean, obviously, Super Bowl weekend, so we got to preview the big game. The NBA trade deadline happened this week, which pretty much changed the face of the NBA with a couple of the moves. And mm-hmm. let's get right into our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrar brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned. You want to take your special teams game to the next level? You need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Academy. Follow them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to start in the NHL. I know everyone's like, oh, well, why aren't you starting with the NFL? We're going to get to the NFL. Oh. It's the longer yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's for the end. We got to save the picks. We got to keep people interested. We'll start in the <laughs> NHL. Marketing, get it right. No. <laughs> We're going to start in the NHL, and this week, we're not talking about the play on the ice necessarily, although these two things were kind of because of play on the ice, I guess. Mm -hmm. We're talking about two coach firings. First, in Montreal, the Habs have made a change. Dominique Ducharme is out after just 83 regular season games behind the bench. So he made it literally a season and a game. Because don't forget, he took over, remember that last year, Irfan, in the middle of the season and led them to the Stanley Cup finals, I should say. Mm-hmm. I guess I have, to spe- I have to preface that, don't I? He led them to the Stanley the finals. Cup finals. Yeah. Which is still incredible. Mm-hmm. But they have been awful this year. Like, historically awful. Yeah, what happens when you don't have goaltending and you don't have your captain? I mean, there's a a lot of. I think there's a lot of problems coming out of there, and they needed to get rid of the last piece that was left in Mark Bergevin's sort of regime of hires, and I think he kind of got it. I, I I understand the move, like I get the move itself, but it just seems so unfortunate for Ducharme because this guy. I do think he's a good coach. I actually think he's a better junior coach, but I do think he's a good coach. And he was put into a very, very bad situation. And his supposed saving grace this year was supposed to be Jake Allen because he played great last year. And Jake Allen, 
I'm pretty sure. Let me look this up. But he hasn't been or awful this year. No, he just picked up uh, a, a knock here and there. So he hasn't really had... And he hasn't been, like, no consistent playing time, and I think that's the problem. But he has a 901 save percentage. In front of that defense? It's... In front of that defense with a 3.15 goals against average. He has two shutouts this year. I didn't realize he had two shutouts this year. Mm. That's honestly slightly impressive. <laughs> two out of his five wins or shutouts are fun. So what happens when he's good? There you go. But the rest of the goaltending has been Michael McNiven. I I felt bad for him in the one game that he played, but he had a 571 save percentage. It's just not good enough. The other guys are 892 with uh, Montembeau and 866 with Caden Primo. Yeah. It's just not good enough. And yes, you can blame the coach to an extent. And maybe you're right. Maybe they were just trying to get rid of the Bergevin regime. But, man, that's that's a tough look. That's a tough call on Ducharme. I don't think it's his fault. No, but again, because they haven't been doing well, and apparently the Montreal way is if you don't see something right, you got to clear it out, right? And axe everything. You got to axe everything. and Whatever predicament they're in, whether this is a rebuild or not, it's just they needed a fall fall guy, and I think the Deschamps is that fall guy, unfortunately. And um, you know, and you said he's a good junior coach, and I thought that last year too when he got hired. Yeah, after I remember coach you said. Dan, right? I said the exact same thing. I said at the junior level, he's so good with the young players, and I think the young players appreciate him. But when you have a team of veterans, and you have team, you have a guy like you know Tyler Toffoli, Brendan Gallagher in the locker room, they probably changes the different mixture. I'm not saying that that was an issue with the with the club, but um, like maybe this isn't the place for him just yet. But again, you know, like the guy they hired, if you if you want to transition to that, has absolutely no coaching experience. Um, <laughs> the only thing he is 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 a Stanley Cup winner, right? Yep. And he's French Canadian. Yep, and you, you you nailed it on the head there. Marty Saint Louis takes over. The last place Marty St. Louis was coaching prior to this was U13 AAA hockey. Because that's the same. U13, you know, he's got this. <laughs> and yes, everyone's going to say, well, he did. He was an assistant in Columbus under Tortorella. Fair. He was mm-hmm. three years ago. He's been coaching U13 since then. Well, not. U13 specifically. He's been coaching his sons and yeah. it was U11, U12, and U13. Like, minor hockey. Minor hockey. He's coaching AAA hockey. Not even like major junior A. No, 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 no. It's like AAA hockey. You you were saying you're hearing a lot of buzz in the Montreal community that, that they're not super happy with this move, right? They're very confused with the move. They, they're okay with uh, Deschamps getting fired because they said, you know, we need a new voice. We need to kind of rejig things, especially after the year fell away from them. And they did recognize, you know, Weber and Price not being there. But they were very confused. They were like, can't you bring another coach in? 
like anyone else from even the junior ranks or even from the AHL team or um, the guy who went to San Diego that used to be in the Montreal system, Bouchard, Bouchard or something like that. There's a coach there that like left and went to the Anaheim system that they were like, well, he's French. I think you're going to look that up. Thank you. Um, but they were saying that why not pick a coach that at least has some NHL player like being around NHL players and coaching them because the coaching life is a little bit different than the playing life. And I think we can, we can all see that where you got to manage more than what you do as a player. Um, uh, and, and I think it, it kind of comes down to uh, the conversations that I did have with some Habs fans is it, it came down to the connections. Jeff Gorton knows Martin St. Louis from the Rangers era when he was there. Um, you know, there's some French connection through the coach, like the, the rest of the management staff that they know who Martin St. Louis is. So they think it, it has to do with who they know, how you know it. And, you know, like Bergevin had his people, right? Like Claude Julien, Alevignon, um, Michel Therrien. That was the circle of coaches that he looked at. And I think this team is trying to go a little younger, a little bit more inexperienced, but at least try and get the fans riled up maybe. Maybe they're trying to get a player behind the bench that's, you know, successful in the game that they hope it translates but i don't know like i'm, I'm very like if they're gonna do that then i would have said well why not daniel briere uh, who's been in montreal before as a player or patrick waugh who's been a player who's also coached and understands the game from a coaching perspective um hell you know what you, you want a, another french connection martin Brodeur. like people love him in montreal yeah but like, he's not there's... coach he's he's, he's no, straight up said that so no, no, I know he's not a coach, but I'm just saying that if you're going to get a player to get the optimism up, then why not get somebody that has some sort of track record and is a former player and people love him? Like, yes, I'm not saying people don't like Martin St. Louis, but the guy's never really coached anywhere that makes you want to be The guy's be like, never yeah, really I, coached anywhere. Like, hey, I trust you to, to take us to the next what 30 games left in the season to do something productive what it what like what's going to happen they're going to play better defensive hockey i don't know no. their power play might get better because he's very good at that but what else is going to get better like i'm very confused and i think that's a lot of the people i've talked to that are Habs fans that have been like that doesn't make sense to us because it doesn't it's it's just odd like mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't understand the move. like sorry understand the move of why they did it because they're literally just bringing him in for the remainder of the season and they wanted to make the fans happy by bringing in a well-known French hockey player who everyone likes in the league and when I say everyone I mean everyone likes Martin St. Louis there's I haven't heard a single player say a a bad thing about Martin St. Louis right yeah his story's great and you know he knows how to work with people like he's he's always found ways to succeed in hockey but Mm -hmm. Coaching is a different beast. It is a different yeah. beast altogether. I just don't know if it's the right move. I hope he succeeds because I like Marty St. Louis, but mm-hmm. can't. I just don't know if it's the right move. Um, by the way, the Habs just made a trade and acquired oh. Andrew Hammond from Minnesota. The, the hamburger. Goal, the hamburger. Yeah. Um. Uh, he has a career 9.23 save percentage and 2.31 goals against average. So maybe that helps. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. They him seem, and Allen? I, yeah. 
Yeah. They send Brandon Baddock the other way. Yeah. While we're talking about it, I figured I would write it out. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Let's flip the script to the other side of the country. And while one team is sort of completely out of it in Montreal, this team still technically has a chance to make the playoffs, but they look awful. Awful, awful, awful right now. They had a good stretch there. They looked really bad, and they had a bit of a stretch where they won like five straight games or something. Since the All-Star break. Yeah. And since the All-Star break, they have been really bad. So the Oilers have cut ties with Dave Tippett. Tippett is out. Jay Woodcroft takes over behind the bench, and they won his debut um, last night. Or, yeah, last night. You know what surprised me with the Oilers with this hiring was I thought they'd be better defense. And in the three years that I've seen them, they didn't over surprise me with their defense. Like, it just wasn't... If you look at the collective three years that he's been there, they didn't look, you know, short up in the back end. It didn't look like a, a typical Dave Tippett that we saw with the Coyotes. Yes, personnel was different, but defensively, the Coyotes were very good under Tippett. Uh, except for his last season, obviously, and then you know here it just it didn't it didn't translate. I think he had a lot more firepower. Didn't know what to do with it, and defensively they just didn't look great. They don't look great defensively, and no. they're actually, in my opinion, they look really really bad defensively and have all season. And the problem is is that their forwards just are not good enough to continue to be that way, mm. and. That's that's the biggest issue. They brought in Duncan Keith, hoping that he would shore up things defensively, and he's looked eh this year. I'm not saying no, he's he looked horrible, escape. but he's looked no. eh. No. Right? He's getting spun around, and that's the the problem. Like a guy who's really good at skating just doesn't look like he's able to keep up or able to to match any pace when they're getting he has caught. No pace. I mean, no. Yeah, you know, granted, the guy's also significantly older than most of the players on the team, but yes. their best defenseman has been Evan Bouchard. Yeah. Darnell Nurse this... has looked really good as well, but outside of that, like, Barry's been okay. Keith's been eh, as I said. Cody Cece's Cody Cece, so you know what you're getting from him. But... To be honest, I think Cece looked, has looked fine because it's Cody Cece. Like, I don't expect much from him, so he's looked fine. And then they've been rotating the other spot, basically, with Chris Russell, Slater Cuckoo, both getting almost 20 games. Uh, William yeah. Lagason has picked up a bunch. Broberg looked okay when he was up, but he's been sent down. Uh, Nemalainen and Samorokov are the other guys who have filled in as that sixth defenseman. But, like, just fine. Like, it's nothing... They aren't doing anything special. Yeah, they're hoping with uh, Jay Woodcroft, the younger guys that have sort of transitioned from the AHL to the NHL, yeah. will we'll get more playing time. And what's been like 13 graduates or something, like double-digit graduates from what I was reading earlier. That's... So I think he might be a good coach for the young guys. I mean, they beat the Isles yesterday, which is not a huge thing, but they won a game. They so, won a game, exactly. Won a game. See, the big thing for me, though, is like, 
you have two of the best players in the world. Yes. Right? McDavid and Dreisaitl are two of the best players in the world. Mm. But you have nobody else producing. Like, Dreisaitl has 65 points, McDavid has 63. Right. Can you... I'll, I'll tell you who has the third most. Can you guess how many points they have? Okay. Sure. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is third. How About many 30. points do you think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has? Somewhere in the 30s. Yes. Low, yeah. Low 20s, mid to mid 30s in that sort of gap. You mean high 20s to low 30s? Yeah, sorry. High 20s to, to mid 30s. 33. He almost has half. Of it's the, the level the level between the two, the the two best players and then everybody else is just it's a massive drop right and they were like everyone thinks that they should be able to compete with like the top teams so I'm gonna pull Colorado up right just as an example yeah Adri has 61 Miko Rantanen has 55 they're your top two don't mm-hmm. forget McKinnon's missed a lot of games yes Landeskog is third how many points do you think Landeskog has 40-something. 46. Yeah. Colorado has five players with more than 40 points. Seven with more than 30. Edmonton has three. The thing, but the thing about the Avs is they've found scoring from everybody. Like, everyone's chipped in. Right. I think when the Oilers and Dreisaitl and McDavid are having an off night or they're shut down by a very good team, like, what are you going to get? Kyle that's Torres my point, to right? score? Yeah, you're, you're trying to get Kyle Torres to get you big points here. It's not going to happen, yeah. unfortunately. But that's my point. Like, I just don't think the forward group is good enough either. Like, the defense core is not good enough, but you can get away with that six. Yeah. The forward core is not good enough. Here's another example. Florida. Jonathan Huberto is, like, by far and away the best goal scorer on, or best point getter on Florida. He has 64 points. Sam Reinhardt second with 44. Mm-hmm. But Florida has eight guys with 30 or more points. Yeah. And they're, they have good goaltending. There you and go. they have That's good another... goaltending. All yeah. right. Avs. Kemper has been hot and cold this year. But yes, Avs have gotten good goaltending. But that's the difference between Edmonton and the top teams is that they don't have consistent scoring 1 through 12 in their forward core. No. So then, okay, here's, I'll pose two questions for you. Who's the next person to get fired in the Oilers organization? And does Connor McDavid want to leave? I don't know who's the next person to get fired because they just fired Playfair as well. Mm-hmm. It should be the GM. Kenny Holland is what people are calling for now. It, yeah. it should be. Right? But mm-hmm. I don't know how intertwined he is with the organization to if they'll let him go or not. So I'm going to go with Ken Holland, and yes, McDavid wants out. Does it happen? No. Okay. He wants out. He's uh, not going sure. to rec- like officially request it. Yeah. But who would want to be there? Would you? If, if you were Connor McDavid or Fawn, put your Connor yeah. McDavid shoes on. Would you want to be there? Well, first of all, thank you for making me a 100-point scorer. You're welcome. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I would not be happy. That's what, three, four seasons where the Oilers play well for half a stretch and then they Rock. struggle or they barely get in. It's just, you know, everyone get on my back. Like, at one point, like, sure, I love to, to drag everybody with me, but... You can only do that so much. You can't. Like, you look at... Like, I'll give you the example of Crosby and Malkin, right? Like, they're probably the two closest one-two comparisons over the last decade, just... In my, in my thinking, and and you look at the surrounding cast that the Pittsburgh Penguins had when they first won their Stanley Cup, right? Um, just you know the the core that they had, the the ability to to build that team around. They knew Sid was young, they knew Malkin was young, uh, Latang, Flurry, right? But they also had the extra pieces, the veteran pieces that came in. They knew what to do. They knew how to play. Right. Um, I think Edmonton's missing that. Yeah, and maybe maybe that has to do with free agents not wanting to be. And, and Edmonton and maybe going, yeah, I want to play with Connor, but yeah. maybe I want to go play in Colorado. True. Instead. It's true. Where I know I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get this opportunity or this opportunity. I don't know. I agree with you. Like, I think, I think that plays a huge factor. Um, quickly, uh, Bruins fan, Marchand yeah. suspension. Six games good? Yes. Yeah. Should be longer. That was stupid. The most I could it, it would have been my tire eight. fire. Yeah, that was it was gonna be my f- tire fire. Uh, but I'll pick another one. Uh, It'd still the, be your tire yeah. fire. <laughs> no, I have a backup. It's okay. No, the that the suspension was was warranted. I don't understand why you're going out punching a goalie. I don't understand why you're trying to high stick him. And I'm I know and I know that Twitter is like, well, what about you know Tom Wilson doing what he did to Panarin and not getting much out of it? And it's like, great. What do you compare like? Leave the comparison for a second. I think the conversation needs to be, don't do that. Yeah. It's it okay. So this whole week, here, quickly, sorry, Bruins thing. Um, Bergeron's out. Right. Right. Marchand's out. Right. Tuka Rask just retired. Uh, David Krejci was at the Olympics. He's not there. Uh, there's no Zidane Chara. Like, I hope Bruins fans are catching up, but I, I, I feel like our window might be closing because they have not played well. <laughs> It, like they got outplayed by the Pens, they got crumbled. They crumbled against the Canes. Um, if you're Boston, we're probably going to be a struggling team for quite some time without. Yeah, but it's yeah, okay. It could be interesting. Yeah, so it, it's just all happening in a week, and then Brady retired, and I'm like another like you know what I mean. It's it's been it's been the last two weeks for Boston. Faithful New England, faithful where where things people are retiring, no one's Herbal's there. Been having a really tough time, folks. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the Canes kept scoring, and I was like, um, can we just throw the flag tonight and and come back for the matinee against the the Sens? Maybe we'll, we'll win that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been a rough time for you. I, I feel bad, yeah. buddy. It's it's yeah. time, Sorry, it's no, time but... for them to struggle. <laughs> okay. It's okay. That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for a year-round professional development with elite competition, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. We're going to keep it rolling, Irfan. No stop. Just keep going. Get cool. Can the I give NBA you a quick soccer talk. thing? Huh? Hold on. Quick soccer thing. Sorry. Oh, quick no. soccer thing. Byron got destroyed. Byron just conceded. 
just conceded four goals in 45 minutes. Yep. Okay, that's all. All right. Uh, yeah, NBA news. NBA news. NBA trade deadline has come and gone, and there was multiple small deals. I mean, yes. Porzingis is now a wizard. Hmm. Trying to think of anyone if anyone else is really worth. Oh, Serge Ibaka is with the Bucks now. Did you see that four team deal? Yeah, the, Marvin the fact- Marvin Bagley got sent to Detroit. Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento. Oh yeah, from yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dante Divincenzo. That was a surprise for me. I'm surprised they moved him because he was a huge part of their. But he's well, hurt. Mo- right? Yeah, Milwaukee moved past three players, which yeah. was, I guess, her offloading and bringing in a buckle, which again, playoff performer. Yeah. At the end Raptors of the day. pick up Thad Young from San Antonio yeah. and get rid of Trogic. That guy's been sitting on the bench since November. What do you mean he's been sitting on the bench? He hasn't even been with the team. Well, it wasn't his last game in November, so I'm just yeah, saying like but he's he, been he hasn't been with the team. Yeah, well, he just, he's, in my mind, he's yeah. benched. Play. Oh, Bull Bull is on yet another squad. He's playing with the Magic now. Yeah, uh, that was a that was a salary dump. I know, but it's just funny. I th- uh, I think it was Haley who said Bull Bull is going to play for all thirty two NBA squads or be on every squad at one point. He's at like six or seven now. Hmm. Um, Nikhil Anders- Alexander Walker, the Canadian, is now with the Utah Jazz, which I think is a great place for him. That's nice. That's a good spot for him to be. Um, yeah, and those were the small traits. The small deal. Any of those really stand out to you before we move on to the, you know, the big one? Uh, yeah, let's move to the, the... There's a couple of big ones that happened over the last couple of days. But yeah, let's go to the biggest one. We're talking the big one. Earth one the one mm-hmm. that literally changed the, the, the face of the NBA. And the two guys that were very, very unhappy in the Eastern Conference got their wish. James Harden and Paul Millsap are heading to Philly in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Harden was very vocal. Well, sorry, let me correct that. He tried not to be vocal about wanting out because he didn't formally request a trade but had told them that he wanted out don't understand mm-hmm. how that makes sense and ben simmons as we know um just wanted out although i'm looking now did was Millsap in that deal yes he was so the one on nba.com doesn't have them in the the trade but i think everyone else reported that Millsap. it's was. funny if you click on it yeah click on that deal it takes yeah. you to another page, and it has Millsap on it. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. So, Simmons gets out of Philly after the just mess that was mm-hmm. in Philly this year with him not playing at all. Who won this deal? Or on, at face value, who won this deal? I say neither. Okay. And I'll say why. Because the Nets, like the, what the stat was, I think, um, with Kyrie, Durant, and Harden, they've played a total of, what, 16 games? 16 and the record games, is yeah. 13 and 3. I'm like, 
that's actually really nice to see. And they're what nine games they're losing nine straight games so far. But yeah, I was like, okay, so they, they, they really haven't had their big three together to, to really start anything. So I was like kind of hoping that that would, they would have a chance to do that down the stretch and kind of go into the playoffs and maybe make the Simmons trade in the off season and just let this happen. I think Philly, um, you know, they don't really win. Cause like, I'm very confused as to why you want a guy who's going to be on his second team by forcing his way out for the second one. This, that's why the air quotes happen, but like, he didn't want to be in two locations. Why do you want him on your team? Why do you want to disrupt your, your chemistry? Why do you want to disrupt the leadership and, and whatever's happening with Joel Embiid and whatever's happening with uh, Doc Rivers? Like, why are you bringing this guy in when you know for a fact that if you guys don't do well or you're going to struggle, he's going to find a way out and he might be that common denominator. So that's kind of why I'm saying I don't think either team on the deal because they're coming up with a lot of the baggage of the players and a lot of baggage of attitudes. Um, but if we're looking at it from a face value to get to your question there, um, I didn't think Philly got fleeced because of those two freaking first round picks and then getting a guy who's serviceable and Andre German and, and Curry is a guy, Seth Curry is a guy that will play any position for you and play well defensively as well while he's at it. Like he's a good solid player. Like he's off the bench, obviously, but, but he's a good player. Um, I think Simmons, it'll be very interesting to see if Simmons can, you know, he doesn't have to worry about pulling up a three because Kyrie and Durant can do that. Um, he has to just get into the, hmm? He also can't. No, I know. But like, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that that pressure to take the three or to take a big shot isn't in his hands because the ball's going to Kyrie or the ball's going to Durant. Whereas in Philly, it was either him or Embiid. Sure. And, and everybody knew if you covered Embiid, oh, Simmons not going to make that shot. He's going to try and come in a little bit. So I guess the pressure for Simmons comes off, but he's also hasn't played the season. So uh, the Nets are going to try and incorporate him into the lineup. Maybe he comes off the bench. So at the end of the day, I think Philly gave up a lot more for a guy who didn't want to be there at the end of like, we, we talked about this, right? Like it just like, they shouldn't have had to give up so much. It should have been just those three players for Harden. No picks. Sure. But guess the inflation of, of, a trade deadline plus a big name like James Harden uh, and it does this for you. I think it's also just they had to add something to get rid of Simmons. They had to sweeten the pot? Yeah. This guy hasn't played and no one really knows what to expect from this kid. This trade also reminds me of the the Nets and Boston trade where Boston kind of offloaded whatever they didn't want and then got got picks galore which helped them build their team that is now. So I mean I guess the Nets flipped Houston the script. Well. Yeah, yeah, they flipped the script and they got they got the coverage that they need for the next couple of years. I just don't know how Simmons fits in with that team. Like he's a ball handler going onto a team that has Irving and Durant. Like I'm sorry, Simmons is not a shooter. He's he, he's not going to post up around the three point line. Or just inside the three point line and and hit shots. It's not it's not his game. He's a, he's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. He needs to make plays. He needs to make passes. And you're putting that with Irving like that doesn't doesn't make sense to me at all. So does so the question that ends up being is Simmons the cover for Kyrie? 
So when Kyrie's not on the court, that's when Simmons plays, and Simmons will probably get 12 to 15. Maybe. Mm. But I don't think that works either. I don't know. I'm not really sure how this one's going to play out. I also don't know how Harden and Embiid are going to work together. I guess we'll see. It's Um, Embiid's team. Harden better watch out. It better be him. No offense. I don't think Harden's good enough to make his team. We're going to take a quick break here, Irfan. When we come back, Super Bowl. Yeah. going to crush out Super Bowl, all right? Stay tuned, folks. We will be back with our Super Bowl preview. Hey, guys. It's producer Jake here from Betting House the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. We're back. Nick, Irfan, Kyle could not join us. Hopefully he will be back next week. Dude, it is time for some NFL. Because it's Super Bowl week. Well, Super Bowl weekend, I should say. And we're already at the Super Bowl. Um, Bengals are going to LA to play the Rams. How excited are you for this game, Irfan? I'm gonna watch it. I don't know how excited I am. It's it's two teams that I don't necessarily follow or haven't really followed. I mean, the Rams, yes, for being successful, and then the Bengals do have a great story. But I don't know. I'm not as pumped as I was last year. Um, probably because Brady was in the freaking Super Bowl final. No, really? Um, that obvious? No. Um, but I think if you're looking at it from the outside in. It's two teams that you don't expect to be here. It's not the Chiefs. It's not the Bills. It's not the Packers. It's not any of the big names out there. It's just, you know, the Rams are trying to get it back with Matt Stafford and the Bengals got a young guy in Joe Burrow. So, I mean, the storyline is the younger guy and the guy who's been there for a while trying to prove himself. So they're both guys trying to really cement a legacy or one one with the leaving legacy and one with the starting legacy. Because, yeah. you know, last week we talked about... Um, is Joe Burrow the next group of quarterbacks that's going to take over the NFL as the big names? And, you know, a Super Bowl ring at, at that age rings really, really, really well. Um, so that's that's probably the storyline that I'm looking at. Um, how are you feeling about the Super Bowl? Are you excited? I mean... I am excited about this game. I think, yeah. I think this is potentially the changing of the guard. Like we mm. talk about Burrow being Burrow, but this is potentially the changing of the guard where Burrow becomes an elite quarterback or Stafford earns the right to be considered elite. Because let's be honest, right. how many people consider Stafford an elite quarterback? Like, do you consider him an elite quarterback? I think he's a mid-tier quarterback that was on a bad team for a while. I disagree. I actually think he is an elite quarterback. You want to know why I say that? Because he's played three wow. less seasons than Aaron Rodgers and has, I think, like 5,000 less yards. Mm. Which is what? 
a good season. Right? Is Aaron Rodgers an elite quarterback? I'd say so. So then why is Matt Stafford not? Also considering Matt Stafford had no one to throw with except for Calvin Johnson most of his career, and that was only, what, for five years? Yeah. Well, that's what how I'm saying. Is he not, how putting, is he not elite? Well, that's why I'm putting him in the middle tiers because we haven't seen enough of him. And, and yes, I know the stats are there. I know that's all there, but he's been overshadowed by a, a decent team. So now that he's actually on a team that gives him the weapons, has a good coach, and, and if he can win the Super Bowl, then you're going to probably have that conversation that he's an elite quarterback. But if he stays with the Rams for another season or two, we're probably going to still talk about him getting into that next tier of elite. Um, it's just I haven't seen him on a, on, a, on a good team, and now he's on a good team. And if you're looking at the offensive stats you know, for the Rams throughout the season, they're, they're pretty good. They are, for sure. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It, it shouldn't hurt his... His, like capabilities Mm -hmm. but i just i get so frustrated that people don't think he's an elite quarterback and like i'm a packer fan this is coming from a packer fan let's remember this Mm -hmm. when he was on detroit i was scared to play detroit just because of matt stafford's ability not because i was scared of detroit the team was awful just Mm -hmm. awful but he put them in games against the packers I've always had respect for Matt Stafford. I do think he's an elite quarterback. Now he's playing with elite players around him in OBJ, Cooper Cup, um, and the rest of that offense, and it's showing. Like I, I just think it could be his, him finally cementing himself as an elite quarterback, or on the other side, we get Joe Burrow taking hold of the NFL. If Burrow wins the Super Bowl with this Cincinnati Bengals team, not that this Bengals team is bad, but if he wins the Super Bowl with the Bengals, He's the face of the NFL. Like I, I don't even think it's a question. Mahomes has been for the last few years, and, and rightfully so. I'm not, I'm not change, saying that Mahomes doesn't deserve it as well. Mm-hmm. But how does the NFL not lean into Joe Burrow as their poster child moving forward if he wins the Super Bowl in his first full season after coming back from, what was it, a torn ACL or something? I love that, yeah. Major right? injury. Right, a huge injury. He comes back and leads his team to a Super Bowl championship. How is he not the face of the NFL if he does that, Irfan? How? Explain to me how it's not possible. I mean, they're gonna, like you said, they're gonna lean into it, which I agree with. Maybe the face he'll have to share that spotlight with. Mo. Yeah, well, well, the NFL could have more than one face of the league. Right, but I'm just saying, like for the next off season, they're gonna lean into. Lean into this very well. Yeah, like, I, I think I'm, 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 on, I'm on that train. Like you, you just got a guy who. Oh, I think I or, lost you there. Hold on, trying to get you back. You hear there me now? Go. I can hear you now. Right. Yes, we're good. Okay. What part do I need to repeat? Pretty much everything. Oh, no, I was just saying, you know, Joe Burrow coming back, getting comeback player of the year. They'll share the spotlight with Mahomes, but I think the NFL will lean into him this offseason as like, hey, this is the sort of thing that can happen when you are on top of your game. You are, you're, he's going to probably be on the cover of uh, whatever magazines he's going to be. Like, they're going to lean into it and they're going to make some profit out of him for sure. 
All right, let's get into the game now that we've talked about <laughs> the potential of the game. Let's actually focus on the game. And yeah. X Factor players are common. You're talking most people lean in towards like the quarterback or the superstar wide receivers or whatever. Who is your X Factor player heading into this game, Irfan? Can I go with the guy you called elite for a second there? I think it's Matt, Matt Stafford is going to be that X factor for the Rams. Um, I'm looking at the offensive stats and the defensive stats, and there's not much to separate either team throughout the regular season. But there's one thing that sticks out to me, and that is the Rams are seventh in third down percentages with 43.9%. In the Super Bowl, when things are getting tight, um, you know, you got to convert that third down to get you another first down. And, you know, to have have a great stat like that with Matthew Stafford, I think I think that's the X factor in the game for me is if the Rams can convert their third downs, they have they been throughout the season and we've seen it in the playoffs, how good they are with with time on the ball. That's probably gonna be their biggest biggest uh, deciding factor in this game. Like, you know, if you can't like I'm and that's that's just how I'm looking at it, the game, and that's probably why I'm can I give you my pick then? Because that's Oh, we're going to get to picks. Don't worry. We'll get to picks. Okay. So, but uh, it's the third down percentage for me. It's, it's something that a lot of the great quarterbacks in the in the Super Bowl have been able to do. I mean, you look at that Bills game and the Chiefs game earlier in the playoffs, yep. right? It was, how do you get to that third down and how do you convert it into a first down every single time? Yep. Um, and I think that's going to be a big factor for me. I like that one. Um, I'm going to kind of run off that third down sure. idea. But yeah. my X factor players are the two running backs, Joe Mixon and Cam Akers. Now, they're both very good running backs, don't get me wrong. And the reason that I'm putting them as X factor players is can these teams stay ahead of the chains? Mm-hmm. Right? That's common knowledge in football. You got to stay ahead of the chains. You got to give yourself manageable second and third downs to make those third down conversions much easier. If you're at. Right third and one or third and two, very, very easy to convert that. Your third and 10, not so easy. And I think the running backs are going to play a huge factor. If they can pick up chunk yardages, three, four yards a rush, five yards a rush yeah. for either team, it opens up so much for these offenses. These are very good aerial offenses, right? Joe Burrow, Stafford are both really good quarterbacks and the cast they have around them catching the ball on the outside. Chase, um, Higgins, Uzama for the Bengals, and then on the other side you have OPJ, Cooper Cup, and the tight end group of the Rams, like oh, and uh Van Jefferson. Right? Like they have mm-hmm. there's good receivers on both of these teams. But if you're only throwing the ball, it's very easy to set up defensively. So they need the running games to get going. They need to get some sort of production from these two guys. And if it happens, that's going to be the X factor for their team. And I guess along with that, the offensive lines are also the X factor. Like if the offensive lines can give both quarterbacks time, this is a different game. The Bengals mm-hmm. offensive line is not great. It's not a secret. We all know that. They're not awful, but they're not great. And that defensive line of the Rams is very, very good. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller are two elite players. So in order to get that, you need you need to stop these defensive players getting to the quarterback, getting to the running back in the backfield. And if the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line can stand up, it's going to be a very fun game. 
Mm-hmm. That's a big if, though, because that's a huge ass to stop Von Miller and Aaron Donald and the rest of that defensive line. So we will see about that. Um, do you have a favorite for MVP? I think it's if the Rams win this. I think it comes down to Cooper Cup. If I say his right name right. Cooper Cup. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna come down to him. It's can he make the big catches when they need it, when the running backs are there on that third down conversion, can Matt Stafford hit him? Um but again, I would also say that even Matt Stafford, if he wins this, he might be a, a name to, to consider. So I yeah, think I, I mean, have those two guys. Quarterbacks are always the, the favorites. And if you're a betting person, Matt Stafford is two odds to win the MVP. Joe Burrow's 3.25. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup is seven. Right? Quarterbacks are always the favorite. Do not be surprised yeah. if... Jamar Chase wins the MVP if the Bengals win. No. Uh, it comes out to the two best reasons. Yeah. But don't be surprised. Also, if you want some uh, super long shot odds, people, ready for this, Irfan? Mm. Mr. Evan McPherson, Stone Cold McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals, 51 odds. Uh, CJ Usama is 67 odds. Jalen Ramsey, who is going to most likely be matched up with Jamar Chase, but no guarantee on that. He is at 81 odds. And I think the super, super long shot is the kicker for the Rams, Matt Gay. 351 (laughs) odds. But you know what? I was listening... The betting house did their preview and everything, and they were talking about this. And no one took Matt Gay. I want to make that very clear. But they, they talked about it. Yeah. McPherson and Gay might actually have a chance of winning this thing. Because these defenses are good in and around the red zone, so there could be lots of kicking points. Yep. And we've seen Evan McPherson has kicked two game-winning field goals in the playoffs already. If it comes down to it, and it's like a... Say twenty-two nineteen game. Mm-hmm. Right? Each team has one touchdown. Whichever kicker wins the game is would have kicked five field goals and an extra point. If those were the numbers. That it would have to literally be twenty-two nineteen with yeah. One touchdown per team, but still, yeah. that's a lot of pressure to put on a kicker. That's thirteen points by themselves, plus the extra. Whoever wins it would have sixteen points by themselves. Yeah, more than so, the entire team. Oh, I can see that too. It's possible. Am I putting money on it? No, but it's possible. It becomes a kicking affair. If it becomes a kicking affair, it's very possible. If I'm doing that, I'm definitely putting my money on McPherson, though. That guy does not scare. All right, dude. You already kind of teased it, but it is time for your picks. Or pick, and you have a bet. You can also throw that in. I know you're not a big betting guy. 
I won't bet. But I thought <clears throat> Kyle was coming, so I put bets. <laughs> That's okay. You can do that part. Um, I think it's the Rams. I think this is the 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 game for Matt Stafford to show up. I think Burrow's going to have a lot more opportunities, and people already have taken his name and they know who he is. But I think this is this is the Rams. I think Sean McVay figures it out. I like it. I mean, I'm kind of tossed. I don't really have. I'm struggling to figure out who I think is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a three point game. So because of that, I'm taking the Bengals plus three and a half on my bet. Mm -hmm. So they can still cover three and lose the game. It's very hard to bet against Joe Burrow. Right? It's very hard. This guy has never lost a playoff game. At any level. Mm. I know it's different. High school, college, whatever. But he's no, never lost a playoff game. Yeah. That's that's just crazy to me. So it's hard to bet against him. So I'm leaning Bengals. That's why I'm taking Bengals three and a half plus three and a half. Um a couple other bets that I would kind of sprinkle some money on if you got if if you got it and you're a betting person. Super Cup to score a touchdown. Almost a given. Jamar Chase to score a touchdown. Again, almost a given. Um, I really like Odell Beckham's yards. They put him at th- uh, 63 and a half. I'm taking the over in that. So more than 63 and a half receiving yards for Odell Beckham Jr. Between him and Cup, I think they're going to get close to 200 yards total. So I think that's a fair bet. Also, his receptions is at Five and a half, so take the over on that. I think he's going to make a lot of catches. Burrow's... Especially early. Yeah, especially early. Uh, Burrow's passing attempts is at 36 and a half. I think that's low, especially if they're down. So take the over in that as well. Um, those are my those are my favorite, or favorite mm-hmm. picks and bets yeah. to do. Um, the other one is the Gatorade color. If we're going props, I'm gonna. I'm just saying it just because <laughs> I should. Um, I heard insider information, kind of. I don't know how how much I believe it, but apparently the color is going to be clear. You want to throw a buck down on that? You might make some money. Don't put too much because I'm not saying for sure that it is because I I don't really know how you can confirm that or not, but. A buck down on clear to be the Gatorade color might not be the worst bet if you have it. I think it was at uh, plus 575. Take that as you will. Mm. I'm super excited. I'm going to be watching. I'm working the game in the TSN studios. And I'm going to be sitting there with eight TVs. (laughs) Just all on the Super Bowl. (laughs) So that'll be interesting. That'll be fun. Yeah, it should be. Hopefully, I hope so. All right, dude. Tire fire of the week. Hit me up. Uh, well, we mentioned it earlier the Brad Sean thing. I think it was a little stupid yep. uh, of a leader to do. Um, but I'm also gonna put Manchester United as a, a tire fire. They've blown first half leads in three straight games where they've started the game strong, very good on possession, very good on chances. Um, but fails on, you know, Ronaldo's part and Bruno Fernandez's fault and Rashford's fault for missing key chances in the first half and only coming out with one goal. And again, they blew another elite today against Southampton. And 
full credit to, to the Saints for playing well the last couple of weeks, but you can't be doing, you can't be drawing games against clubs that honestly you need to come out with wins. This team was supposed to be a third place team in the. They're yes, supposed they're to be supposed the third best team in the EPL, maybe fourth. Yeah, they're not. I know they're sit, they're sitting in fifth, but I still, I don't even think they're the fifth best best team in the league. No, I think West Ham's playing fantastic, and they're in football, fourth. I think, so rightfully, I th- right, and I think Spurs. Watch out for Antonio Conte changing the com- the complex of this team, the ability of this team. Like I'm so high on Betancourt and Kulievsky coming in. And Spurs uh, have and three games in hand on United in most of the most do. of the table. Arsenal has two yeah. games in hand and they're one point back. Yeah. Uh, the best tweet I saw <laughs> was from Luke, where he's like, "This feels like circa Arsenal 2010." Yeah, uh, with, it does. With it, it does like great football, great ability and just not being able to kill teams off no. there's no there's no killer instinct on this squad I mean, that's that's something that united have always had is that killer instinct like we might not have had the best players it might not have been the prettiest football but we had that killer instinct they don't have it right now bad it's a good tire fire my tire fire is the just it, the harden and simmons debacle in Brooklyn and Philly respectively like they're just such a mess so petty I think is the best word it was just pettiness for no reason no reason at all and it's tough because like they are good players I think Harden is better than Simmons yes but these are two good players Simmons was an all-star multiple times I believe just being petty. I don't like petty. It's the attitudes that are kind of taking over the game, which is freaking frustrating. Yeah. But it's, and it's not even just the NBA all over. Like we're seeing guys do this everywhere. It's yeah, every sport. It's bad. The only sport that you really don't get it is the NHL. Because that just me like I, I haven't really seen anyone force their way out of a situation in the NHL in the middle of a season. Well, they'll play; they just won't play well. But like even it. then, like who, who I'm recently think, has like, done that? I mean, the whole, it's the whole Eric Carlson thing and the the Hoffman thing. That was like an off. Off ice issue. That was an off ice issue, and the only reason that they moved people was because they couldn't deal with it off ice. But at the same time, the guys still played well on the ice. Like Carlston was still playing well on the ice, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, Audrey never said he wanted outs. No, that's um, what I mean. Like, I mean, the last time that a player in my mind like forced their way out of a out of a franchise. I like I'm thinking Lindros when he got drafted. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I guess like Iggy Drummond Gilna having the final thing going, I want to be out of 
Calgary and choosing his destination. But that was like maybe that's the closest. That, he, that wasn't that he wanted out of Calgary. It was that he wanted a chance to play for a cup. No, but but that's the thing. That's the only thing I can think of that's comparable. Right. Like anyone listening in, if you want to tune in and let us know, that maybe we're blanking on a player trying to force their way out. Like yeah, we have personalities, but oh, would it be the Patrick Line, Pierre Luc Dubois situation where they the maybe. both players. Like, that was probably the closest situation? It's the closest. But even then, like, Dubois didn't... Dubois was playing well before the trade. Yeah. Right? Line wasn't, but Line was also hurt during the whole situation, which didn't help, obviously. But, like, it's not like this. Like, Simmons refused to play for Philly. Um, like, it's just different. Um... Final thought of the week there, Irfan. Sure. Uh, last weekend was the AFCON final, which was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought Senegal should have won in regular time, but hey, we go to penalties and that's how you win. That one of the Liverpool penalties, stars. One of the Liverpool stars, uh, um, Sadio Mane, finished well. Um, I thought, you know, for most, of, for most of that tournament that Egypt wasn't the better team in their in their progressions through each stage like i thought ivory coast was much better uh i thought cameroon was much better uh so you know at the end of the day i think the the better team actually won no and no knock to mo salah but like if you looked at egypt's attack it was just let's get it to mo and see what happens whereas if you look at senegal it's like yeah sadio's covered we have four other players that can do the same thing Uh, my my final thought, I agree with you 100%, by the way. I think Senegal was the best team in the tournament. Shout um, out Burkina Faso, though. Fun to watch. Uh, yeah, tossing Guinea as well. The, yep. not, the, not the Guinea with Keita, but the other one. And Tunisia as well. Yeah. But they, they made it. Um, my final thought is the Olympics. And it's funny because uh, Lynn May just wrote in the comment section that they wanted our opinion on the doping scandal with the Russian figure skater. That's actually my final thought, is that a bit of a mess. Mm. The skater tested positive in December for a heart medication, correct? Yes, correct. To deal with angina. Yeah. Uh, It's prescribed to adults. First of all, so that's right. probably what it was. Yeah, Russia also had some probationary measures put in place, but the athlete appealed and won the appeal, and that's why they're still competing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if she tested positive in December, how was she skating in the Olympics? Because she won her appeal. With Russia, not the IOC. Russia. That's what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. If it's no, no, an issue I, with the IOC, why are you skating in the Olympics? Because it's the ROC. Right? Like, I just... I, it. I don't understand. And the, it, uh, the appeal and is you know being what, heard tomorrow. Yes. It, the athlete needs the medication. Let's put that out there. Like, this is her Do ability. They? Yes. It's a, it's a medical condition that's causing her to take the, the heavier medication. From what I was understanding. I broke down the science with my sister. We were trying to understand what the effects of the medication is and how it stimulates. But I think for certain athletes that can use it, it increases your blood flow and gets you to 
to get a little bit more oxygen going. Um, right. But for her, it's her health. And if she doesn't take it, it's, it's causing, it would cause, you know, problems. That isn't, in my opinion, but related to enhancement in any way. But it is a... Hold on. I haven't seen a single thing saying that she needed it. Uh, we were reading something about it being a heart condition. It is. No, it, it is for treating a heart condition. Absolutely. But it's also a, um, a stimulant drug. Yeah. Right? And I think that's so in, in lesser capacities, like if you don't take the full prescribed dosage for the heart condition part of it, it is a yeah. stimulant. And that's where, that's where the questions are, whether or not she actually needs it or not. And I haven't seen anything, and I'm not going to say she doesn't, so I'm going to make that very clear, yeah. folks. Don't. But, but the reason why they're calling it the stimulant is because she's 15 and she can't take the full dose. And so rather than looking at her age and saying that that's the appropriate amount for her age, it's an automatic substance issue. I think that's that's where well, no, that's it's a substance fine. issue regardless. If it's caught in your yeah. system at any at any dosage, if it's caught in your system, yeah. it's technically a substance issue on the yeah. IOC, which is fine. Yeah. But the Russians, the reason that the ROC can't fly the Russian flag right now is because they got caught doping with this drug. And you're trying to tell me that a 15-year-old needs an angina medicine? straight up i don't i just don't believe it that she if she does then hey i'm not i'm not gonna say that that's a problem but the fact that the roc was caught with this before using this specific thing just it's just hard to believe you know what i mean yeah Yeah, i mean i'm giving it the benefit of doubt because there's a lot of people you know with these issues right um, being born with them so i mean I will take that because that's just who I am when I think and give the benefit of the doubt to the people. But I really hope it's, it's an actual health reason why they had to take it and not a, like you said, why ROC in the first place is banned for this. It's, it's just tough to give ROC the benefit of the doubt right now because of what happened six years ago. Yeah. It's just tough. I want to, and I want to believe a 15-year-old wouldn't do this maliciously again, anyway, or cheating in any way. Um, first, first lady skater to, to land the, the quadruple, yeah. whatever it was called, like, freaking great. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be no. a shame. Um, that'll do it, dude. We, we made it to the end. Uh, make sure you tune in next week as we recap the Super Bowl. And all the craziness that is the world of sports. Um, if you are looking to follow us, it's at Nick McVicker for myself, at Irfan Manji for the great Irfan. And don't forget to check out Kyle at Kyle Vardy as well, because I mean he's still part of the show. <laughs> yes. Need needed the day off. So we'll be back next week. Make sure you follow us on socials at Garage Door Sport on Twitter at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. You can check us out at GarageDoorSport.com as well if you're looking for more information. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Some great content there. Our interview with Alex Gagnon Rusik about the Canadian national team is still up and running. Take a look at that if you haven't had a chance. As for me and Irfan here, we want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.